0: Welcome
1: to Digital Master, where I teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And cheers Thanks to my fellow co hosts, Rianne and Ryan. Uh, I wanted to shout out to everyone who's uh, watching and listening to our podcast. We're actually traveling around the world currently, focused on South America. And we just got into Bolivia yesterday. A big shout out to our sponsors, uh, Bolivia Hop. Uh, they actually, uh, Peru and Bolivia Hop, they sponsor a trip all the way from Peru. Uh, into uh, from Lima yeah. into La Paz, uh, so we've been traveling with them for the last uh, three weeks, and uh, we we're able to see Machu Picchu, and now we got to La Paz, which is actually the the highest altitude capital city in the world. So today we're suffering from a little bit of altitude sickness, right? Yeah. Yeah, so especially resting, him. And especially me. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. On today's podcast, we have a very good friend of mine who's actually from Vancouver, BC, Canada, and uh, we went to the same church in Vancouver called Broadway Church, and he actually just uh, did an epic trip across Canada with his family, so our uh, guest today is Calvin Weber, and we're going to be finding out all about his journey across Canada, so if that's one of your bucket list items to travel across Canada, I know it's ours, we've only done... um, from uh, Vancouver to Toronto, overland. We haven't done anything east. And, um, you know, that's uh, one of the things we would definitely want to do is travel around our own country. So, Calvin, uh, you know, welcome to the show. To start off with, why don't we get to know you a little bit better if you want to do a quick introduction about yourself. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, um, I guess I'm 57 years old now. Uh, grew up in Ontario uh, in, in Kitchener, Waterloo. Uh, went to the University of Waterloo. I met Heather, and we got married after we graduated. Um, I uh, worked in church work, so I've been pastoring uh, in uh, Ontario, in Waterloo especially, and then also in uh, Vancouver. Uh, But my special focus is university and college students, and so I've been doing stuff at UBC and now BCIT with uh, university and college students. I have five kids, and uh, one of them is doing his master's degree at the University of Toronto as we speak. Uh, and uh, one's in the Navy, the Canadian Navy, so we've done some travel. I could tell you my story of New Zealand, but anyway, that's another time. And um, uh, one's uh, working in a restaurant as a cook or a chef. One is uh, working in auto mechanics. Uh, and then uh, our youngest, uh, Chris, has Down syndrome, special needs, and uh, he's just turned 20, and he's uh, quite an active kid. He's the most extroverted of our entire family. And this trip was part about him. Uh, as he aged out of high school, and uh, in June, and so we decided to uh, uh, travel the country, or uh, go all the way from coast to coast.
1: And your family is uh, super inspiring. You know, uh, we know each other personally from Vancouver, and uh, you know, definitely a great dad, great husband, and uh, you have five wonderful kids. You raised them well, Calvin. Well, thank you. So tell us, uh, firstly, before we get into the Canada trip, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your family uh, travels all the way from the beginning and how you've incorporated family travel into your family. And why do you feel uh, family travel is so important to you guys?
0: Well, um, when we moved to Vancouver, uh, we were just hours away from some of the most beautiful countryside in the world. And uh, you want to keep your family together. You want your kids to experience something special. Uh, And we could afford camping, so we bought a used tent trailer, and we went to a different camp or a different park in BC every summer.
1: Amazing, amazing. That's definitely a great way to see the country and uh, the the province by doing uh, camper vanning. Uh, So you recently did this trip across Canada. Uh, Walk us through the conception of the idea. Was it you? Was it your wife? Was it your son? Who came up with the idea, and how did you convince the rest of the party to join
0: in? It just got bigger and bigger. It started with uh, an invitation to go to a conference in Ontario, and uh, my organization would fly me out and fly me back. But my parents live in Ontario. Heather's uh, family is in Ontario. Uh, And so we thought, well, I could use that uh, airfare money, put it towards gas to the car, and the three of us would just drive across and then we tack our holidays on uh, the end of uh, that trip, and we've got some nationwide campus ministry connections, so we, we could do some work while we're traveling, and we could do while we're traveling as well. So it just kept growing. Heather's dad, uh, who uh, is now in a, in a retirement home in Toronto, uh, not doing real well with Alzheimer's and things like that, but uh, her dad is originally from New, uh, from New Brunswick, And her mother, who's passed from cancer about 20 years ago now, she was from Prince Edward Island, and so uh, the truth is, Heather, uh, my wife, hasn't been back to the Maritimes in like over 25 years. And it was kind of like, come on, we. She used to go every summer or every other summer for vacations and visit her dad's family, her mom's family, and really enjoy the Maritimes. So we thought, you know what? When we go to Ontario, we've got our car, we've got a nice new car. We should uh, uh, add a couple weeks. Just go over and visit uh, New Brunswick and see the cousins and, and go to Prince Edward Island and see those beautiful red beaches and, and where she used to and, and have some really enjoyable summers. So it was a bit of a, let's, let's put that on top of what we're doing. it be special. I haven't been there in about years. And uh, so I really wanted to revisit the Maritimes. I'd only been there twice before. And then to add on to that was the idea of neither of us have been to Newfoundland. And so we thought, okay, this is an opportunity of a lifetime. I might be able to squeeze an extra week in, spend an extra couple dollars up, obviously, on the ferry and everything, but go to Newfoundland for the first time in our life. And so that's what we did. And and that's what made it really a nine-week odyssey because we spent a couple weeks before and a couple weeks back afterwards with family and friends in Ontario.
1: Sounds amazing. So let's unpack, uh, so to speak, uh, the trip a little bit. Uh, so you left uh, Vancouver and then tell us about the route you did. Uh, you have the map there. Feel free to use the map as a little uh, teaching tool if you like.
0: Well, I don't know how that map looks like for you guys. It's a little distant. But uh, we started in Vancouver at the, and we drove to Hope, B.C. because we have friends there. And we just, you know, couch surfed really. I mean, oh, spare bedroom, really. Uh, and visit our friends in Hope, who uh, were graduates from the University of British Columbia. And then from there, uh, after visiting with them, we went to Calgary to visit with uh, graduates from BCIT and some other friends that live in uh, Calgary. So we stayed for about four days in Calgary and uh, visited a whole bunch of people there, went to church there, just had a great time. Saw some of the parks and some of the displays and museums. Uh, so it was a beautiful visit, saw the huge birds uh, like eagles and hawks circling above in the uh, open, you know, western skies. Uh, and from there, then, we uh, wanted to make a real quick dash to get to my conference in Ontario. And so we uh, uh, we went to Saskatchewan, cut south, and stayed in Minot, Montana, for, uh, or Minot, North Dakota, with a, at a hotel. So this is the first hotel we stayed at. And uh, that way we could go in, hit the sack, wake up, and go, uh, with that continental breakfast provided in the, you know, in the foyer or the lobby. And uh, from there we just did a thousand kilometers in one day. Uh, so two days, really three days in a row. We're doing a thousand kilometers. So we do three hard days of driving, but stopping to smell the roses, seeing one or two beautiful sights along the way. Uh, and uh, so we went to. Um, through four states in, in one day. So we went through North Dakota, Minnesota, Wisconsin, and into northern Michigan where we found – we didn't have anything, you know, uh, booked ahead of time. We were just hoping we'll find something. We, we didn't know how, what kind of time we'd make, you know. And we found this fishing lodge off one of the largest inland lakes in Michigan and uh, this is a cranky guy that wanted to go home he, he wasn't really open for business but he wasn't closed either and we hadn't uh you know he was looking for he had fam- you know he had fishing guys that would come and book for the weekends and we were there uh just uh, anyway nobody else was there so we got a room at, at a discounted price and uh, and enjoyed uh the view of the lake behind the fishing lodge and it was a great uh experience and from there the next day we got into kitchener waterloo and and uh uh, stayed with friends who had you know a room for us to um be there and then went down to the camp uh for our conference for three or four days a nice cabin uh near the grand river uh close to brantford ontario uh, where the great one wayne gretzky comes from and alexander Graham bell and uh you know saw some beautiful sights um i'm in the conference a lot so my son and my wife slipped out and went to african lion safari in rockton ontario so if you want to A really open, uh, hundreds of acres of, of of grassland that's been set aside for all the wild animals of Africa. Place to visit, and you don't have to take your car through the monkeys and the and the lions and tigers. You, I told my wife, you're not taking my car through that. You could if you want, but you can spend a couple extra dollars and get a bus ride and let the monkeys scratch the bus and not your car. So that's advice for anybody that would be willing to do that. Who would have, Who thought, have that? thought that? Canada, right? Now we got elephants, giraffes, zebras, lions, uh, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Antelope. I
1: mean, definitely better when you see them in the wild like that rather than cage behind the zoo, right?
0: Well, yeah, that is. And then I'm assuming you've been to Africa already and you've seen some of this. We did.
1: Remember, Ryan? Yeah. And
0: yeah. That's even what better.
1: When did you see Rianne? So we saw the five
0: insects.
1: the The big five do you remember what they are yeah
0: so they were the rhino lion lion, uh, hippo elephant (laughs) leopard Leopard, there you go
1: yeah so we were actually in south africa earlier this year i turned 40 and for my 40th birthday we got to celebrate it on an animal safari in the heart of south africa and uh, the national park there, and it was amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, she actually spotted some of the animals I herself.
0: A yeah, right. It's awesome. Fantastic.
1: So Calvin, uh, from from the, the Ontario area with the animal safari, uh, tell us about the next part of the route.
0: Well, after time with family and uh, and other people that I knew from ministry, uh, then we decided to go to eastern Ontario. Uh, we went to uh, the Thousand Islands. I'd never really explored the Thousand Islands, and we also went to a, a place called, uh, just thinking Brockville, and it's just right on this near the Thousand Islands, near the Saint Lawrence River, and it's just steeped with history. And we were thinking, okay, we'll find a place to camp, but it was threatening thunderstorms, as often in Ontario does, and we're fair weather campers, and so we thought, okay. Uh, We have only had a motel twice in this entire trip so far. We've been in cabins at the retreat, but other than that, we've been in our friends' homes. And we thought, okay, instead of uh, uh, getting rained out on our first night of camping, why don't we just see if there's something special in terms of uh, places to stay? And there was this uh, noble suite right in the heart of old Brockville that was built in the 1830s. And uh, you could rent a room. Um, from this judge who uh, had 1830s. And it's just a beautiful place. And they'd restored it with colonial and Victorian furniture. Uh, and so we were just spoiled, uh, again, with a discount at the very, at our first uh, overnight in Brockville. So it was a beautiful start to the day, uh, to that trip. Uh, we went to Montreal where Heather has some cousins and we visited them and went. Uh, his Her cousin is a um, a rower, so uh, he had actually wanted to uh, train and make the national team, and now he coaches. Um, and so, uh, he took us out in his, um, his uh, six-seater um, uh, canoe, and uh, we went out into the tributaries of the St. Lawrence River, and it's – they had flooding this year, and so we were um, – water levels were really high, so that was quite a cool experience to be able to actually um, – um yeah canoe through places that normally you wouldn't be canoeing through (laughs) from there we went to quebec of course we did take a look at you know notre dame and mount Royal in montreal and my son uh chris uh he special needs uh and he takes piano lessons just for you know music therapy and and uh it's it's a good thing to learn and and so sometimes there's these public um, pianos. You've just seen them around in open squares. And so he saw one up on top of Mount Royale where you're o- overlooking the whole city. And there was this guy playing on this white piano in this uh, square. And Chris is like, I want to play on that piano. So uh, he got his turn and he finger uh, poked out Old Canada, the national anthem. And people appreciated his... You know his effort, and uh, gave him a warm applause, and then we hiked around, found that uh, lighted cross on top of Mount Royal, and uh, and from there we um, we went to Quebec City, and went to the Plains of Abraham, and uh, just it was a it was a rainy day that day, so we didn't spend a lot of time in uh, Quebec City, um, but we just drove through old Quebec City and saw just these beautiful places, and it's quite impressive. Then we got then. Uh, we crossed the bridge over to the other side of the St. Lawrence River, and we found a campsite and set up our tent. And that was our first night of tenting right along the St. Lawrence River.
1: That's a birthplace place of Canada, right, though, when the first explorers uh, came across that river.
0: Jacques Cartier came up there, like, what, in the 1500s or something like that? I mean, very early. And uh, there's just tons of monuments. Like, you can drive through uh, B.C., Alberta, Saskatchewan, and you're going to see a few monuments. But in Ontario, and then Quebec and the Maritimes, there's like national historic monuments everywhere you turn, there's a monument because something, so much more history has happened there in terms of uh, where the settlers first came and, um, and stuff like that.
1: Well, after uh, the campsite, uh, where next?
0: We thought, you know, we've never done the Gaspé-Z. We've always cut down to New Brunswick and missed that whole point where you take the St. Lawrence River until you can't even see the North Shore anymore, and it opens up into the Gulf of St. Lawrence. And so we thought, okay, let's do that. Let's let's drive up along uh, the Gaspé Z route, the north side, go up to Frilien Park, the uh, national park, and we had booked in ahead reserved a camp spot for a couple nights in Floridian National Park. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. But the point is that we had a beautiful place to stay. And uh, um, some of the things that we kept seeing on our trip, recurring themes, sunsets, glorious, gorgeous sunsets. And we kept seeing lighthouses because we're on the coast. We kept seeing churches with steeples that were like built hundreds of years ago. Uh, There's just amazing things that we saw along the way. Uh, Percy Rock is a, an amazing place to check out when you're in the Gaspésie area. And they've got some awesome museums and places where you can just check out the history, you know, the fishing, um, the, the cod, all, all of the things that really mark and characterize uh, East Coast life. Awesome. Uh, then uh, tell us more about the journey. Well, uh, we had cousins eagerly waiting for us in Bathurst, New Brunswick, on the North Shore, and so uh, we got to have a reunion with people we hadn't even seen since our wedding, uh, or or uh, one of the early visits when we were out in uh, um, the Maritimes 30 years ago. So that I mean, it's amazing. You haven't seen some people in 20, 30 years, and you are just because your family, just because your blood relations, just because. Uh, you got an emotional connection and a historical connection. It's like, it's like your best friends uh, from the get-go, and they spoiled us with a spread of food and uh, and hospitality. That uh, and their backyard looks out to the Bay of Chaleur and to another glorious sunset. So we just had an amazing time uh, reconnecting with family in the, in the, in the Maritimes.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a great to have family when you're traveling. Uh, when we started off our trip, we went to the Philippines, where my wife's from. Got spoiled rotten. The kids got spoiled rotten with delicious home-cooked meals. And from there, we went to Hong Kong, where my wife's brother is. And we were based there for a little bit. And then went to uh, my wife's sister's place in Dubai. And then uh, she spoiled his rotten as well. And then, uh, you know, uh, for the, the last part of the trip, we've been connecting with... Not family, but uh, friends of friends. And, uh, you know, just on social media, we'll say, hey, we're going to Brazil. Do you know any people? Or we're going to, like, Colombia or Ecuador or Peru. And uh, just so many connections. Uh, Just a couple of weeks ago, Peru, one of our good friends, actually, who's from Broadway Church as well, Erica, um, connected us with her family, who's actually in Lima, and they spoiled us, rotten, uh, you know, with uh, food, and and hospitality. So definitely great to connect with family and friends. So uh, tell us about the next part of the journey, Calvin.
0: Well, um, we uh, fell in love with New Brunswick. It was just such a beautiful province. We hadn't really spent a lot of time outside of Bathurst. And so um, I had met somebody from Moncton, uh, a French pastor, campus pastor at the University of Moncton. And uh, he had said, well, I want to meet with you. I want to chat with you. And so he said, let's meet at the sand dunes at Boctouche. And it's like 12 kilometers of sand uh, just along the the Gulf of St. Lawrence there. And from there, you can see... Uh, to Prince Edward Island and you can see the wind farms on the uh, on the west coast of uh, Prince Edward Island. So that was very cool to visit this uh, bird sanctuary, uh, sand dunes, uh, this ecological reserve that Irving Oil had uh, sponsored. Good for them. And uh, so that was really cool. Then we uh, drove over to, um, um, well there's uh, a military base uh, for the army uh, at Gagetown, and my daughter's boyfriend is in the Army. So we got a chance to visit my daughter's boyfriend. we have seen him before. His family's in uh, Surrey, B.C. My daughter is in uh, Victoria with the Navy. And uh, so we've, we've met before, but we just thought, well, okay, we're, we're coming right through your neck of the woods, and you've got time off. Let's have supper together, and let's connect. And so we did that. And then we have friends from a previous church in uh, uh, Kitsilano, of BC and, and Vancouver, really, and they had moved to um, Kispamsis, uh, St. John, and so we connected with them. But one of the cool stories and thing you, you just can't predict what's going to happen on a journey. There's always a twist in the road, right? There's always a surprise. So we meet this guy in Calgary, a good friend of mine, graduate from BCIT, uh, but Calgary economy is terrible. He's not. He's been out of work for eight months. He's skilled in the energy. Industry, uh, and uh, he's you know he says, "Man, I need a prayer, you know, to get a job." And uh, so of course we 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 pray, and and he says as soon as I left the house, his phone rang, and he's got a call from Saint John's, New Bruns- uh, New Brunswick, from Saint John, New Brunswick, saying, "Hey, I've got a job for you, uh, in um, tidal power," and so they're harnessing with these huge blades, tidal power. Uh, and uh, creating energy, um, and they're uh, creating this in the Bay of Fundy. Now, the Bay of Fundy has the highest tide differentials in the whole world. From low tide to high tide, on a good day, it could be 43 feet. That's massive, and that can uh, really power an entire city with one super blade under that tide. So he got a job, and he met us three or four weeks later in St. John, New Brunswick. Who knew?
1: Awesome! what a story. Yeah, and that, that's one of the joys of traveling is meeting these encounters and uh, you know uh, Having that prayer meeting and boom it all worked out. Uh, I, I, I we, we have a cool story as well. We were in, uh, uh, French guy and I had a hotel, and, and when we were there we we're talking to the receptionist and the receptionist was like where are you from in Canada? We are like Vancouver. They're like there's a couple from Canada staying in this place uh, And we ended up meeting them the couple Randy and Gail and they're actually from Richmond BC Canada and they're traveling around South America as well So we met them and they actually had room in their car to go to the next city. They're like, oh why take a bus, jump in the car with us. So we hitchhiked with them across to the next city. And then from there we actually ran into them again in the next uh, country in uh, Suriname. And then again we uh, planned up to meet in Guyana. And then we met them also in uh, Colombia. And And then the fifth country we met them was in Peru just last week we had a nice dinner together. We had some roasted guinea pig and alpaca together. So shout out to our friends there. Gail and Randy, who we just met on the road and we've already yeah. seen them in five different countries, right? Yeah.
0: And the name of the guinea pig is Koi. Koi. Yes,
1: yes. And you had some. Did you like it? Uh,
0: no.
1: No, but you like the other thing. <laughs> yeah, what was it? Alpaca. Yes. Apaka. So, okay, what, what's next? Uh, lead us on the next part of the journey, Calvin.
0: Well, um, we did explore the Bay of Fundy. We did explore the, uh, the, those uh, tidal differentials. Uh, in St. John itself, there's a river, and they call it the reversing river because the tides are so high that it pushes the river backwards, Then it creates whirlpools. It's amazing to watch. Then you can also go down the Bay of Fundy. There's the uh, sea caves near St. Martin's. There's the uh, Hopewell Rocks. And uh, you can walk at low tide out amongst the rocks. And uh, you can see the watermarks that are twice as high as your head or three times as high, really. And then six hours later, we went back and boom, it's all covered with water, except for some little islands that, you, you know, it's just remarkable. Uh, that was a highlight. From then, we went uh, to Prince Edward Island. We took the huge bridge. I mean, that's like, what, over 10 kilometers long, just a bridge over uh, the the, the strait there. And uh, into St. Saint- Yeah, into Prince Edward Island. We found a a beautiful park, a a national park, and we were able to – we had secured – we had booked that ahead because there was a few places we wanted to make sure uh, that they were, you know, confirmed, Uh, and the rest of it was a bit of an adventure. Uh, And uh, anyway, so we uh, set up our tent at uh, Stanhope uh, on the north shore of Prince Edward Island, some of the most beautiful beaches, Uh, and then we went exploring. Uh, We went to – you've heard of Vanna Green Gables. It's famous all over the world, the story, uh, Lucy Maude Montgomery. So we were there at the National Park. And here – this is the 150th birthday of the Nation of Canada this year. And in uh, honor of that, the federal government has uh, made all national parks free to enter. And so we went to 10 different national parks and didn't have to pay any access or entrance fees or parking fees. It was all free. Now, if you were to camp overnight – uh, at a national park, you still pay the camping fee. But it was just great to stack up some of these amazing national parks and go visit them and and, and enjoy uh, uh, Canada's 150th birthday. So here's another thing. In Prince Edward Island, uh, we were there on July 1st. July 1st is Canada's July 4th. July 1st is our national birthday. And the beautiful thing about being in Charlottetown on July 1st is that really in a year or two, a couple of years before Canada became a Confederate, a confederation, um, the discussions and the agreement took place in Charlottetown. Uh, So we were at this very significant place. The Prime Minister had been there just the day before we were there because he wanted to be in Ottawa on the day of July 1st. The uh, leader of the opposition was there in Charlottetown on the day. CBC TV was there. Uh, We walked by. There's free bands and concerts, and uh, there was Navy ships and tall ships in the harbor that you could tour. Uh, The museums were all open so you could go in and check out all this stuff and, and see where they signed the Confederation documents and stuff like that. So it was really uh, an excellent timing to be uh, in Charlottetown on July first.
1: Sounds like was like amazing Canada Day. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't in Canada this Canada Day, but I, I was actually in Trinidad and Tobago, and I did a little Facebook Live, declaring my love uh, of Canada and my patriotism, and I, I made a little video about the five things I miss most about Canada, which includes Tim Hortons, of course, a steep tea. I love my steep teas. Love my poutines. I love. Uh, you know, just uh, like uh, miss, I miss driving. Actually, that's one of the things I miss when when I'm way over here, and so much more. You know, Canada is amazing place. So, um, you spent Canada Day in PEI and uh, Charlotteville and then uh, what happened after Canada day?
0: Well, Charlottetown. Um, one of the things that you have to do when you go to uh, Charlottetown or or Prince Edward Island or the Maritimes, you got to eat lobster, and so we had our our traditional full on lobster dinner. And uh, how do you crack those lobster shells so you can get all the meat out of it? Um, I'm a seafood lover. And so when we spent time in uh, the Maritimes uh, and we went to different restaurants, I wanted to eat food that I wouldn't normally make at home. And so we were eating a variety. I was, anyway, eating a variety of the different fish opportunities that were made available along the trip. Uh, so that was very cool as well. But from Charlottetown, we took a ferry because there still is an operational ferry at, at the. Um, the east side, uh, and we crossed over to Nova Scotia, and then we drove straight to North Sydney, and we caught the ferry, which we had reserved. You want to reserve a ferry in the summertime to Newfoundland, or you might not get on it, and you'd have to wait an entire day to get the next one. So we um, uh, reserved a ferry, an overnight ferry, a red-eye ferry, (laughs) and uh, we slept on the ferry on like airline recliner, recliner seats that we also had to reserve. You could spend even more money, and uh, get a, a berth. Uh, but the berths were all sold out. Uh, so we uh, waited too long on the reservations for that. But anyway, we uh, sailed across from like 11 PM to 6 AM, landed uh, in uh, Newfoundland, uh, and drove to Cornerbrook. And um, friends of mine from Ontario, their, their daughter uh, was there, and her husband taught at the university in English. And he was a Shakespeare literature expert. And uh, also a, a Christian family. And so we um, never met them before, but we knew her parents and were good friends with them. And so they were like East Coast Hospitality, you know, come on over for lunch. <laughs> and uh, and we went to the travel center just to get our bearings and collect some information. And their son works at the travel center. So who knew that we'd meet their son before we actually met them? But uh, we, uh, we enjoyed uh, connecting with them. And here's a funny little story. Uh, the English professor, he, uh, took us up to where, uh, the, um, oh, Cap, J- James, Captain Cook, a monument, uh, in, uh, Cornerbrook. I did not know that the famous James, Captain James Cook, uh, spent three years at least mapping Newfoundland. And then, of course, he's famous for then going to Hawaii and you know, all those other places and actually getting killed there. But... Uh, he was quite an excellent, uh, map maker. And, uh, so you've heard of, um, mm, Amazing Race and Amazing Race Canada? Of course,
1: of course. I actually applied, me and my buddy, Rotten Wong, we applied for Amazing Race Canada, but we didn't, uh, make it, uh, but, uh, we actually ended up getting sponsored by Volkswagen Canada, uh, to travel kind of like Amazing Race style, across yep. the prairies and we had all these clues and, uh, Uh, You know like um, obstacles and stuff like that. So I haven't done the full amazing race But I did a little mini one thanks to the Volkswagen. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah So tell us more about uh, what was the experience with the amazing race there?
0: Well, uh, the reason I bring that up is because the uh, English professor he was um, Invited to dress as Captain James Captain Cook Captain James Cook and he was on the mat uh, when the the runners came up and he would be the one who would say welcome to Newfoundland or Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, you know, and uh, so he was in costume as uh, Captain James Cook. And so we uh, uh, said, Well, we got to watch the series. We watch it every year anyway. We, we saw that exact series, uh, and so it was really exciting to say, Hey, I know that guy, you know, even if he is in a disguise, I know exactly who that guy cool. is. So it was really cool. Uh, from um, Cornerbrook, we went to uh, Grossmore National Park, which is a beautiful park in Newfoundland. Uh, And we um, had a a campsite uh, at one of the uh, sites there, Uh, wonderful beaches again. You walk for miles. I mean, other places, more populous, beaches like this would have thousands of people on them, and these places are like 10 people. It's like, really, what? These beaches are amazing. Uh, Maybe the water's a bit cold, you know, uh, since there's icebergs that are floating around there in the vicinity. But uh, so we spent a day there. If you asked me what my highlight would be, it would be, have been seeing icebergs off the coast of Newfoundland, North Newfoundland. If you were to ask my son, Christopher, what was your highlight uh, in on this trip? He would say, when we drove up north to uh, Leonce, Meadows, well, yeah, Leonce Meadows, which is the Viking settlement in the National Park, where they have uncovered, uh, as archaeologists, the actual Viking um, settlement that was there a thousand years ago and uh so they've got the artifacts they've got uh the the you know the foundations of all the different buildings that were there they've got uh evidence of um um smelting iron or you know doing doing that iron development uh so the vikings would uh, come from greenland and then they would come down the coast Uh, uh, Of Quebec, and then then they would hit the tip of Newfoundland, and boom, there they would uh, repair their ships. So it became a base camp. Then they would go down and explore um, the Gulf of St. Lawrence. And a thousand years ago, the climate was actually warmer than it is there now, today. In fact, when we were in Newfoundland and we were camping, uh, July 4th, we had frost warnings. Seriously. I was freezing in that tent. But anyway, um, so that was a highlight. Chris got to um, meet Ragnar, who's one of the park attendants, but he's dressed up like a Viking. He actually looks like a Viking. He's got the red hair, the red beard. Uh, And uh, so he was like, hey, you want to wear the Viking uh, helmet and shield? You betcha, Chris. Uh, wanted to do that. So we got a picture of Chris dressed up like a Viking. So he'd say his highlight was being dressing up like a Viking at Leon's Meadows and uh, then helping uh, make a nail uh, with the um, bellows heating up the fire. And so Chris walked away with his own uh, homemade nail from that exact site. The kind of nails the Vikings made to repair their ships.
1: Wow, what a souvenir, you know, uh, definitely a great great, uh, memento to bring back home. Uh, So from Newfoundland, tell us about the next part of the journey.
0: Well, we went back to St. John's because we wanted to to see, you know, the uh, furthest east. And I'm I'm wearing my Cape Spear shirt, and uh, that is the furthest east point uh, in all of Canada, or all of North America for that matter. And uh, so we're there at the lighthouses on Cape Spear and and, and watching whales blowing their air through their blowholes Off the coast and uh, then we went over to st. John's and they've got uh, museums there they've they, they've got um, uh, You know the place where the communication uh, took place uh, the first wireless uh, communication with Europe uh, took place uh, From a telegraph hill or whatever. It's called. So it's really a beautiful place. And and um, uh, then we went also uh, to this museum where they have the Titanic uh, display in St. John's, because that was the closest land mass to where the Titanic went down. There's probably even a bigger uh, Titanic museum in uh, where the ship left um, from uh, Ireland, I think. But anyway... The irony of it was we spent two three, you know, two hours looking at all the Titanic information, and then we rushed through a rainstorm to the long ferry back to Nova Scotia, and, uh, and for the next 16 hours, we're on a, on a, you know, a, a ferry uh, just with the memories of the Titanic floating in our heads and uh, having seen a lot of icebergs, not in that area, but further north. So I was just kind of like, why did we do that?
1: Awesome. Uh, so what's
0: next? Well, when we landed in Nova Scotia, we wanted to see uh, Lewisburg, Fortress Lewisburg, which is like this amazingly re- restored uh, fortress. And if you ever get a chance to go to Nova Scotia, you've got to see uh, the Lewisburg Fortress. It's totally worth it. A lot of actors were there. And uh, one of the um, Micmac Indians, uh, he was uh, in one of the displays, and, and he looked at Chris, and he says, Chris, can you play a drum? And so Chris was invited to uh, to play that you know that Indian hand drum, uh, and keep a beat, and then this Micmac elder sang out a song as Chris was drumming, and it was just you know there's a whole room of people watching this, and we I videotaped that, and uh, it, was, it was it was another highlight in our trip.
1: Awesome! I, I can definitely tell your son enjoyed it so much. Uh, so tell us about uh, the next part of the journey.
0: Well, from Lewisburg, we went to Halifax, and in Halifax, uh, we got to see, you know, the eastern side of the, the naval est- establishment. A lot of ships were in port at Halifax. We also uh, had to find out where Sidney Crosby played hockey, and we missed him by just hours. He had the Sidney Crosby Hockey School uh, uh, there in um, uh, Cole Harbor, and uh, we went right to Cole Harbor, uh, and uh, Chris walked away with a lot of swag, I uh, got himself a T-shirt with uh, Sidney Crosby's uh, face on it and all that stuff, but we just did not actually get to meet Sidney Crosby, so we just missed that by by a little bit. But we were starting to get kind of um, fatigued after all of our uh, visits. Uh, Halifax Citadel's beautiful again, another great fort uh, that you can go and, and check out. Um, but we uh, we just spent one entire day at the KOA's campsite and just said, you know what, we need a holiday from our holiday. <laughs> we got to do some laundry. We got to just chill, we got to relax and, and not get burnt out having holidays. And so uh, we just spent a whole day just hanging out at our campsite and enjoying it and, and meeting people in the campsite and playing some of the games that they had at the campsite. So that was cool. And then we made, a you know, kind of a ambitious rush back to Quebec and to Montreal and visited cousins once again in Montreal uh, and just wonderful contacts there. And then back to Ontario, visiting family and friends. Uh, when you're traveling you never know what's going to happen and uh so sometimes uh you give you a traffic jam sometimes you, your gps will reroute you in a way that you shouldn't go <laughs> i don't know what what you know uh chose it to choose a route but we went we did some crazy routes just because the gps was telling us to you know uh, apple maps or whatever it was was saying go left go right but uh so that gave us some experiences but normally it's it it, it, it was perfect because you don't, you're hands-free not but um, one time we were going to uh, Welland and to Old Fort Erie from Ontario, from Kitchener to Old Fort Erie. It's past Niagara Falls. We've seen Niagara Falls many times, so we wanted to see stuff we hadn't seen yet. And uh, we, the, the Queen Elizabeth Highway was all backed up. It's like, what is going on here? And there is this transport truck straddling the uh, concrete median between the eastbound and the westbound traffic. And it's just right over top of it, spread out, just broken over top of this uh, concrete median. You wonder, how in the world did that happen? But all we do know is that all the lanes on their side, all the lanes on our side, but one lane is getting through. And so we're finally getting through uh, this traffic jam to get on the other side, and we're seeing the police officer and somebody with a clipboard, and we're thinking, you know, there's probably checking. What is the load on that truck? What's the manifest? And I didn't think much about it except that I'm hoping this is cleaned up before we come back uh, to our friends for a barbecue for supper. And so we uh, spent all the way to 5 o'clock closing time at the Old Fort because it was such an interesting place. One of the the key battles for uh, the War of 1812 was fought there between the Americans and the British. And uh, so then we came back uh, and all of a sudden, so we sent a text to our friends saying, hey, uh, we're a little late. And they sent a text back saying, well, the Queen Elizabeth is closed. This is a truck. It had hazardous material on it, they discovered, and they evacuated like a quarter mile all around it, just to be safe. Uh, Nothing, I guess, really came of it, but when they wanted to reset the truck up, they had to evacuate everybody so that just in case leakage did take place, uh, they'd be safe. they had hazmat units from the south hazmat units from the north yeah i know so we're driving up the queen elizabeth and getting this text message and then all of a sudden our phones are going wild turn left here turn right here you know it's like it's warning us before we even get into the traffic jam that there's a problem ahead and we found an off route got to our barbecue only 10 minutes late it was just awesome but uh, then hours later When we left and and drove around that mess and kept on going, you could see the opposite traffic still backed up. This would have been an all-day-long traffic jam. We were up in northern Ontario, and uh, we decided – you know, we came down through uh, northern Michigan uh, to save a day, but we wanted to go through every province in Canada. So we we wanted to go through northern Ontario, we wanted to go through – Uh, Obviously, Manitoba, and then get back to Saskatchewan. So uh, in northern Ontario, we had some friends. We stopped, and and then one night, again, it was like thunderstorms were predicted. So we decided, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get a hotel. So we thought, okay, let's find a hotel on this uh, number 17 road along Lake Superior. And uh, seriously, there's a lot of old motels that were built in the 50s during the heydays of vacations that are are rotting and closing. So there's not as many replacing those motels. And we stayed in this place called the Chicken Shack. Can you believe it? They had five units, plus they had this outdoor chicken restaurant. Uh, Not a restaurant, just a chicken shack, just a fast food outlet. Uh, and And so we stayed there. We got the last room. And uh, we stayed that night. It poured crazy that night. We thought, well, thank God we're not in a tent. And uh, we got up the next day, and we started driving along the 17, heading up through the park. And all of a sudden, there's truckers flashing their lights at us. We're going, was it a speed trap? I mean, is there an accident? What's going on? When we get closer, again, traffic is backed up, and there's a flood. All that water might have wiped out some beaver dams. Anyway, the low point in the road was completely submerged uh, to half up your the side of your car. And on the one side there's this cliff and the water has eroded the dirt so that the guard wires are just, you know, the what do you call it? The guardrails just hanging there by wires. The posts are not in the ground anymore. There's no ground for the posts. And uh, we're looking at this and we're seeing one vehicle at a time coming through the middle of the flooded portion of the road and we're and then we're seeing some vehicles in front of us Braving it. We're seeing smaller cars parking and going, I'm not going to try that, you know, and, uh, and then it's our turn and we're like, you know, we've upgraded to a little bigger car than the uh, the Nissan Versa we used to have. Now we have a Honda CVR. Anyway, so we're looking at that going, hmm, I think we can do it. <laughs> and all of a sudden there's like this police car coming sailing down the other side to cut off the traffic and create a perimeter on that side. And, uh, but we're already committed to going through the middle, and we're just like, we're lifting our feet off the floorboard, hoping there's no water that's going to come in through the doors, and no water did, but, you know, uh, we could just sort of see that that water was just gushing out from both sides of the car as we went through. We're hoping it, like it wouldn't stall or anything like that, but we made it through, and uh, our windows were open. It was kind of warm, and, and we heard the police officer telling a trucker, I wouldn't try it, <laughs> and uh, we looked back behind us, and nobody followed us. And we wondered whether anybody ever did it after that because the, uh, the police closed the road. They said it would take about two or three days to repair that road and all the erosion that had taken place from that flood. So we just like snuck through there, made it up into uh, Thunder Bay, saw the things and met the people we wanted to see and meet uh, before uh, moving our way northern Manitoba, seeing stuff we'd never seen before near Lake Manitoba, uh, visiting friends in, in um, middle Saskatchewan, Cousins. Uh, And and really, from that point on, uh, we were sailing homeward.
1: What an epic uh, journey! Uh, Any final thoughts about the last part of the journey back to uh, you know our hometown of Vancouver, BC, Canada?
0: Two things. Uh, First, when you're driving long hours and and you've become sick of the music you've uh, brought, you know all the CDs you've brought and whatnot. Um, My wife had ordered online um, the Audiobooks of Lord of the Rings, and we thought, well, oh, this would be cool. We can listen to the Lord of the Rings uh, story while we're driving through the prairies, and uh, so that's what we were doing. We we're listening to the audiobook, and it was the it was like the first one. It was the um, the uh, it was the recordings of the BBC um, radio odd aud- um, show of the Lord of the Rings back in the 1950s, and it was, it was just amazing. And so we were listening to that, and and then. The second thing was, you knew maybe maybe some of you listening don't know how many forest fires have been burning in British Columbia. I mean, it's like half the province is on fire, and uh, forests are, 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 are just were going up in smoke. And so we were in Calgary, driving through Calgary uh, towards our final camping spot, uh, just on the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, and we could just see the cloud of smoke coming through the the mountain passes. Towards Calgary, and uh, instead of white clouds, blue sky, this was black, gray clouds, and and the sun glowing through it, a, a dull orange, uh, from the pollution of all the carbon that's in the air, and. For those of you who've read Lord of the Rings, you realize that Mordor has this thick cloud coming towards Gondor, you know, and it, that's, we just listened to all of that and it finished it and now we're, we're looking at the clouds of Mordor coming towards Gondor. It, it was kind of a, uh, you know, just a fun thing really. But we made it safe and sound. The funny thing is uh, we got a nail in our car tire, that was one thing, uh, and um, it wasn't, a huge problem. We just kept filling it up, and finally got the nail taken out. And then the other thing was the very second last day. Nine weeks on the road. The second last day in BC, we got our window stone chip. You know, just you know, thanks a lot. Uh, so anyway, we, we went to a window repair place. They put some liquid glass in there and sealed it all up so the crack wouldn't spread. But really, we had an amazing trip. Great uh, experience all around, and. Um, we're very thankful. On this Thanksgiving weekend coming up in Canada, we're very thankful.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you know, what an amazing journey. Uh, thanks for sharing all these stories and all. Uh, any tips or advice you want to give to someone who's wanting to uh, do an epic journey just like you did across Canada from coast to coast? Uh, you know, whatever mistakes you made, any advice you want to give to uh, people watching who want to do a similar bucket list dream, travel dream?
0: Well, research. Um, talk to somebody who's done it. Uh, we had a friend uh, who had done it a year or two before, and he gave us all his maps and uh, and, and just, you know, province by province, the books that he had collected. And so we uh, just laid them out. And for a year, we thought about this trip. Uh, we didn't plan it all out, you know, uh, and we didn't think about it every day. But there were times where we just started thinking about, okay, the conference is going to be here and uh the family reunion is going to be here <laughs> and um if we're going to go to newfoundland uh and then get we got to have a ferry on this date six days on newfoundland we got to have the ferry on that date and then we got to be back here and we've got to be back home for work uh and so you know you just sort of plot it out and you make some phone calls you make some emails you connect with people you know and you you, you research the parks if you're going to camp uh you research the motels if you're going to do that uh and we did a You know, a little bit of the one and a a lot. Um, We did a little bit of motels. We did 18 nights in campsites, and the rest was basically with friends and family. So research and uh, talk to somebody who's done it. uh, Don't overplan. We left a lot of it where we had nothing reserved, and uh, we just went and and figured it out on the way. But we had these milestones where we needed to be here at this time, and uh but we always every day we did something special we'd stop for something and we saw salt mines in saskatchewan who knew you know and uh you know so there's just different places that you don't realize there's something special and you just sort of see it on the map as you're driving or you see it as a sign as a billboard you go why don't we stop there and check that out make it an adventure explore and enjoy
1: Yeah, some great advice there. Definitely research and then also be spontaneous and then plan some of the best adventures of those ones you least expect and also, of course, connecting with family and friends and asking people for advice. who have done it before. Uh, So, uh, you know, you have obviously done it. If people wanted to ask you for advice and, uh, you know, pick your brain, how can they connect with you, Calvin, and maybe get some more advice about the trip if they're going to be planning to do one themselves?
0: Well, if they want to connect with you and you can share their email with me, that would work. Sounds thanks. like
1: a plan, yeah. So if you have any questions for Calvin, definitely uh, leave us a comment below and I'll make sure that Calvin's able to answer them for you. Uh, so thanks, Calvin. Uh, definitely inspiring, you know, just hearing all your stories. It definitely make me want to uh, travel across Canada as well. And I know I'll be doing it uh, sometime in the future as well. So thanks again, Calvin.
0: All right, thank you. Next time we hope to go up to Yukon and new Northwest Territories in Alaska.
1: There you go. you got to finish the territories as well. And maybe Nunavut, right? Yep. Awesome. Okay. Thanks, my friend. It was great to connect again, and we'll catch up with you
0: soon. Okay. Thanks. Safe journeys out there. And um, when are you back in Canada?
1: We don't know yet. Uh, Stay tuned for that one.
0: All right. I'll stay tuned. Bye for now.
1: Th- thanks, everyone, for tuning into to this episode. Uh, you know, an uh, amazing adventure with Calvin and uh, his wife and his son traveling across Canada from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean, across every single province, and, you know, all these amazing adventures. Uh, thanks for watching, and if you've been inspired, definitely leave us a comment, let us know, and we'll catch you in the next episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, where we teach I you how to travel. Money travel.
0: Yes, exactly. See you guys. Happy travels.